everyone. Um, welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name's Bethan, as you can tell, it's probably not Rusha and Imran, as you know, I hope you can tell. Um, but yeah, I'm Bethan, I am a, I can say I'm a GP trainee now, I think on the last time I was always saying I'm soon to be a GP trainee, but I am a GP tra- trainee now, whoop, previously whoop. neurosurgery trainee, um, and yeah, and with me today we have... Hi everyone, I'm Nina Jar, and I'm a GP with a special interest in emergency care. That's about it, really. God, I haven't really changed, have I? serious this time. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so we're doing a little takeover episode again this week. And thanks again for having us back through Shu and Imran. We love to do it. And well, I hope we kind of don't get you guys cancelled. It's always a risk, isn't it, with having us on, Nina? I know. We kind <laughs> of run our mouths a bit, don't we? Forget where we are. Yeah. <laughs> we'll behave. We'll behave. We will. Um, but before we kind of get into everything, Nina, and I probably know it's not a great way to start a podcast, but I'm going to be really, really, really controversial. And I, I can't believe I'm going to ask this. But I'm ready. Hit me. Hit me. Okay. How are you? <gasps> I know. It's, I, can't believe I've just, I can't believe I've asked that out loud. Give me I a sec. Because, you know, that just crossed some major boundaries there, Bethan. Give me a sec. I, mean, I think we're cancelled already. Ooh. What are we like? two minutes in (laughs) okay thanks guys I'm good thanks thank you for asking how are you is that like all you've got to say that's literally like all I said to that kid honestly my gosh as if I went to the kid like right well kid take a seat let's get you some squash and you know let me pour out my last 20 years 1980 (laughs) whatever and at birth I weighed yeah. So I think I think well, I think people probably know what we are referring to. And uh yeah, that was your little kind of run in, wasn't it? With It was God. sharing a nice, light hearted kind of interaction that you had. I mean Sheesh kebab, talk about blowing something up over mm. over nothing. This poor little ten year old kid has no idea <laughs> about the drama he caused. But are you well, though? Are you I'm okay? I'm fine. How are you, actually? I haven't spoken Good. to you in ages. How are yeah, you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Um, I think the last time we did an episode was, it was Christmas week, wasn't it? Kind of in yes. between Christmas and New Year. That was like, yeah, almost three Christmas months ago. Christmas perineum. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that still hasn't caught on. Obviously, I didn't invent that, but I'm still standing by Christmas perineum. No. The um, worst phrase ever. But God. anyway, it's now kind of, yeah, now getting into spring and I've started GP training. Nothing How's really to report. Is it, is yeah, it it's okay. Right? Yeah, I've started on a GP rotation. It's like a month in. I have not got a clue what I'm doing. It's a huge learning curve, but absolutely no regrets. And I am enjoying it. It's like something I can see myself doing. And yeah, it's... Yeah, it's intense, let's put it that way. Do you know what? Like, I don't know how many years in I am and I still have no idea what I'm doing yeah, most of the time. that's never going to get better, is Google it? Google is your best friend. <laughs> oh my gosh, tell me about it. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, let me just go and look that up and they can hear me furiously <laughs> yeah. typing away in the background. Just go behind the curtain. I'm just going to double check something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, somebody help, tell me what to do. <laughs> but yeah, I always feel like when we do like our takeover episodes, so I feel like a lot happens on Med Twitter, but then a lot happens on Med Twitter anyway, doesn't it? it never oh, it's just the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? 
So where shall we start? I guess we owe the guys congratulations, really, don't we? We do. 50 episodes. Well, this is the 51st mm. episode now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we got a shout out from the OG, Carl <laughs> Kennedy from Neighbours. How the hell does Sarge organise that? I think it was... I think... Oh, sorry. That was Carl <laughs> Kennedy from Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Is he with us? On... Oh, my God. This is He's the with us. Guest. Carl, can you just... Quiet for one moment. This is a ladies' takeover welcome, episode. Welcome. Please, please. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Respect the boundary. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Um, yeah, that that was excellent work by Sarge. That was so cool. That was really good. But yeah, massive congratulations on fifty episodes. I know it's awesome, actually. I am generally surprised that Imran hasn't kind of landed himself in it up until now. I don't know how he gets away with it. I mean, that guy has got some Mm. seriously bad takes and people just forgive him. Like if it was anyone else that did that, I don't think they'd get away with half the stuff that he does. What did what did he talk about? Kind of diluting the, is it diluting the timeline or diluting something in terms of like getting it spaced all out so it doesn't kind of seem bad. But yeah, yeah, good skills on Imran's part there. But yeah, congratulations on 50 episodes. Um, Yeah, to 50 more, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of went on that post as well. People were talking about kind of how they, how everyone's got a photo with Carl Kennedy, but I don't. Do you? No, I wish, man. I've never met him. Oh, let's go to Australia. Do you want to do it? Just to meet Carl Kennedy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't even watch Neighbours. No, I think it's, and it's finishing now, isn't it? It's been taken off the air, which is like heinous that's what we kind of grew up on neighbors at home and away but yeah i think there are other reasons why i'd like to visit australia as well but yeah carl kennedy is is one (laughs) go and see his band play um but yeah and moving on from kind of um actually no put a put a shrimp on the barbie as they say down under what have you had for your tea tonight me i actually had some spag bowl vegetarian spag bowl exotic nothing with smelly cheese pineapple on pizza (laughs) what is it with the bad food takes this week my goodness oh i know it started with a tweet didn't it about um someone said quote tweet this with your most controversial food opinions i want to feel hate again and that was tweeted by someone called inspector ratchet but yeah med twitter came out with a lot of um interesting food takes and I don't know, Therusha just went on some sort of like rampage, rampage. didn't he? I know. Yeah. Honestly, so, it made me really see him in a whole different light. I've got to be honest. <laughs> he dissed ready salted crisps. I don't see what's wrong with that. He dissed smelly he cheese. He dissed people that cut their crusts off their bread. Oh I, yeah, I, you know, I dissed those people. Why would you not <gasps> eat your crusts? I don't eat my crusts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. I always cut the crusts off and I'm making a sandwich. You don't cut your crusts off your sandwich. No, the crusts are the best part. I no, love, they're the worst I just love all, part. All, all parts of the bread anatomy are amazing. No, no, mm. no, no crusts. Weird. But then everyone thought I was weird for liking quiche. It feels that's like an unpopular opinion. Quiche isn't food. Quiche is just needs to go in the bin. But for me, actually, his takes weren't as bad as Shivani's take. I was genuinely oh, quite offended yeah. by what she said. Race, uh, rice is overrated. I only eat it if I'm in a restaurant and have to. I mean, if, what the hell? Rice? Yeah, I, rice I is like our staple. 
I don't really have rice at home, I don't think. But then I guess it depends what you're cooking and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't have rice and I eat my crusts. What are you going to do about (laughs) that? Just need to get over I'm going to leave you behind and go to Australia by myself. You can stay here. I'll I'll leave you my pile of my crusts. I'll carry on here eating all the crusts. Um, but there was someone as well I think it was was it Julia who said that she just didn't understand the point of crisps in general and that just blew my mind that's crisps are one of my main food groups crisp sandwich with a crust cut off it's just the ultimate ready salted crisp sandwich perfect I think she said she also like with ketchup to suck on pasta as a snack I know I saw that so yeah that kind of left me a bit a bit lost for a bit lost for words but Nina do you know someone who didn't enjoy their plain food (laughs) somebody do you want to name him that poor young lady on that That flight um, one of the US med twitter cardiologists so so yeah there was um, an interesting tweet this week and I don't have the name of the person the doctor that um, Kashif Chowdhury okay you just went ahead and named him that's, that's oh cool. sorry are we not meant to oh, I don't know I, I don't thought know. you genuinely didn't have the t- all right scrap that but, oh no don't worry it's not it's not a problem is it like I think many many people saw this tweet but yeah essentially what so he just kind of it weirdly Obviously, it wasn't live tweeting, but the amount of detail in there was just a completely identifiable blow-by-blow account oh, of how some heck, it was so detailed. Wasn't it? Every yeah. single moment was tweeted. Yeah, it was a lot I think to deal. for me, it was the video. Like to share yeah. a video of her with, I'm assuming, without her consent. Clearly, um, if yeah, that was you tweet- in that position, how would you feel? I would feel absolutely humiliated. Yeah, and it, he, he he added a tweet at the end of his thread days later to say like, oh, by the way, this woman gave me her consent. And I was like, as if. Are you it was, sure? Are it you was sure? weird. But there was, um, what did make me laugh, there was a lot of people kind of taking the mick and saying, oh, well done for saving this lady from a vasovagal or, or well done from saving this lady from a faint. Um, and, you know, we're not having a go and we know that obviously pulses can be hard to feel when someone faints and stuff. But it was more the fact that every single identifiable detail was like in this tweet. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, to be honest, I think it's actually quite a good discussion point about, you know, being vasovagal, not having pulses during that time. You know, that's a fairly good educational topic to talk about. That wasn't the issue, I think. People were just annoyed about how it was such a blatant breach of confidentiality. Mm. That was the key thing about this tweet that had us all up in arms. And he made a good point at the end and said, um, in a cardiac arrest, time is of the essence. Prompt and effective CPR is often the difference between life and death. Please learn CPR. Uh, you could be in a position to potentially save someone's life someday and they are likely going to be a loved one. Like, no one disagrees with that sentiment. No. And that's like, you could have just said that on its own. It didn't have to kind of include all this information and a video of this poor lady. Um, but I like Jamie, yeah, he he used the phrase hero porn and that's exactly what it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's weird, hero porn. Yeah, that's definitely how it felt, wasn't it, reading it? Um, and it kind of brought up some information as well. People were kind of like commenting on, on what people kind of, or what planes carry on their in-flight, like medical kits and stuff. Um, I think Rosie Barua tweeted a link to what British Airways contain on their... Uh, 
on on their kind of flight bag and there was like four different types of urinary catheters (laughs) and I just thought oh my god I would not yeah that would not be my ideal of like yeah what to do with all them catheters I have no idea have you have you ever had a personal experience of being called on a plane no I haven't and I think even if I have been on a flight where someone has requested it I'm normally like five white wines and 10 milligrams of diazepamine <laughs> so I don't really have much recollection of of it but no I've I've not had any experience really of you not yeah no I have yeah gosh it was yonks ago um and I was with uh, my husband and we'd been backpacking around um Bolivia and it was on a flight back from there we hadn't slept we looked rough as like rough as anything and so the first call went out and we were shattered so we didn't answer it because we thought okay someone else there's going to be another doctor clearly on this plane how dare you five minutes later though the call went out again (laughs) like no please guys this is serious (laughs) like oh gosh and then it was just like a right you go no you go and in the end we both (laughs) decided to go but um when we press a little call button the air hostess came over and she didn't believe that we were doctors. We honestly, we looked, we had like combat boots on and like hoodies. And I think I'd fallen asleep. So I'd drool on the side of my mouth. Like just really not a good look. Keeping it all. classy as <laughs> And she goes, are you, we're looking for medical doctors. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as opposed we to are, that's what we doctors are. Doctors of music. So, um, yeah, we went there. The lady was fine. I think, I, I can't remember. She just had a bit of dizziness and, and shortness of breath. And um, did you catheterize her? I thought I catheterized her, just you know, just in case. The four, the choice of Um, catheters. And then I thought, like, hang on, she's fine, but you've got to write like notes afterwards, Mm. like in the in-flight notes. Yeah, there must be some sort of legality thing with that. Exactly. And I thought, hang on, is she my responsibility for the rest of the flight? My (laughs) my husband's like, well. He's a hospital medic. So he's like, yeah, assessed and discharged back to the GP for continued management. Please do the necessary. (laughs) Yeah. The rest of the flight. I'm like, hello, how are you feeling? I'm fine. Just get away from me. She's like, yeah, why do you, I just want to sleep. Please stop, (laughs) stop threatening me with that catheter. Like walking past her, like feeling her pulse. Is it still there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think the fact that she was talking is probably a good sign. (laughs) Kind of means that she's probably alive. Look, you never know, okay? You never know. know. You never know. You never know. Um, But there was an alternative, um, what do you call it? Like definition of of heroic as well, wasn't it? On on Med Twitter. Yeah. I love I think- this tweet. I really love this tweet. This is by Mehul. Um, he put, all the acute stuff and illness on planes is heroic, but sometimes at 2am when a patient has been admitted for three weeks and they are dying and you call their next of kin and help them accept that dying process, that's pretty heroic too. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? <clears throat> that's, the, that's the reality, I think, of what happens yeah. as, a, as a doctor day to day, not this crazy like heroic stuff that you might see on tv or like on these threads of saving lives on airplanes like that's the the real heroism I guess isn't it and that's I think that's what people will always remember like that's what the family will take home Mm. and they won't ever forget that moment it's such a poignant moment in their life when their loved one passes away you remember almost every detail of it yeah Um, so I I love that tweet. I thought it was you know really spawn. Absolutely, and it's like and again it's it's kind of like why do people go into medicine? It's not for those 
big obvious hero porn types of situations because I guess obviously depending on what you do that's not often kind of your your day-to-day stuff it's more this kind of subtle maybe kind of unrecognized stuff that kind of really makes a difference yeah um and that's yeah and, and that's the stuff that people kind of unless you've been affected by it I don't think people know much about it isn't it but yeah that was a nice that was a nice take from um from Mehul. Um, but going from one bad US take to another, oh my God, even worse yeah. take. Yeah, this was hilarious. Oh my so this goodness was, um, This was another, yeah, another American bit of med Twitter quackery. And apologies to obviously our American listeners, but guys, you, you, you're crazy sometimes. There was this tweet, wasn't there? Like, I know so that's really horrible, isn't it? But no, but you see what I mean by this tweet? It said... Um, I do an annual full body health upload. Most of us have no idea what is really going on in our bodies. Every year I do a full body MRI, an AI driven CT, genome, microbiome, and much more. A key to longevity is proper screening and preventative medicine. So this this guy was essentially just saying like this is what he does every year to keep himself well. That just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I love the response that said. Is the yearly genome sequencing to assess the possible damage from the yearly radiation? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because why else would you need a, like a, an entire genome sequence every, every year? Oh my and there was, there was another me. one that made me laugh and it said, um, full body MRIs, sh- show me a shadows of anatomy. The real elites know the best bang for your buck are full body biopsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I, like... A world away from UK medicine, isn't it? I know. Do you think that he was being serious? Was that a serious tweet? Yeah, I think so. Like literally in America, isn't it, in terms of healthcare, if you can pay for it, you can get it. Like no one's going to deny you that, even though, you know, there's the whole ethical thing about finding incidental omers and kind of what that means. If you can pay for it, then you can you can have it. But imagine sending your F1 to radiology for that request. <laughs> like, Imagine being the GP that gets that. Oh my God, that report. That has to deal yeah. with the report Where's the conclusion? Where's the Where's conclusion? The conclusion? Yeah, right, and all it will say start from the top is, of the body and work our yeah. way down. Refer knowing, neuro, refer cardio, refer respiratory. I was going to say, knowing, knowing our, our resident radiologist, it will just say <laughs> refer to neurosurgeons. Yeah. But did you see what Zach wrote that made, really oh made me laugh? Oh my goodness. He like encapsulated it, uh, yeah. the whole of the US bad takes in perfection, didn't he? Yeah. So he said, earlier today at 13.05 on a Piccadilly line train to Cockfosters, a man named Luigi Chang, date of birth, <laughs> 14th of March, 1999, stubbed his toe. Screams of panic are interrupted by the Avengers theme as I rise from my seat and reflexly do a full body MRI, an AI driven CT, genome microbiome and much more. Well, our thoughts are with Mr. Luigi Chang at this understandably <laughs> very, very difficult time. True heroics there. True we've touched heroics. a bit on um, on why people end up going into medicine and I guess part of it could be that perceived heroism and things. Um, but there were some other kind of tweets that kind of came up along a similar theme about people going into medicine, wasn't there? Yeah, so we're referring to a tweet by, um, I'm really sorry if I pronounce your name incorrectly, um, Shayo uh, Tremeshir. She put, uh, the more I exist in hashtag med Twitter, 
the more I realise that there's a large portion of people who get into medicine strictly for the power dynamic. You get off on being able to show your whole ass because you believe your power over someone who is lower than you. That was a... Yeah, that was heavy. That was a going for the jugular tweet, wasn't it? Yeah. And I guess, I don't know about yourself, but I I feel like... I, I feel like I've certainly experienced it in probably not as as big a way as that, but kind of, you know, when people kind of don't know who you are or whatever on the ward and we're all in scrubs and kind of someone might mistake, well, someone has mistaken me for a nurse before, which is obviously not a bad thing, but it's be, like, say if a doctor come in to visit the ward for another reason, like a specialist review or something, and they've mistaken me as the nurse and spoken to me like absolute dirt. And it's only kind of when they find out that for example you're the red john call or whatever that their tone completely changes and I, and I don't know if it is that kind of I think it is along the same kind of breath because it's again it's that perceived people that perceived power thing that people have like what yeah what I mean there's no denying that that hierarchy and power dynamics exist within medicine I mean some people have got egos the size of planets oh god don't we know it but uh, do you think people does that like develop during your time in medicine or does it attract those types of people or do people specifically mm. get into medicine to have that power control because the I feel third like... part I, I, I'm not I, I'm not sure about I, I think it just attracts a certain type of person rather than people specifically getting into it to have power I, I'm not sure yeah, I don't know. I feel like what I've learned kind of over the more recent years is that like you get all sorts of people in society, like you get absolute shits in society, you get all sorts of people in medicine. And we've seen like horrible stories of of absolute wrong-uns in medicine. So I kind of think the people that you get in, in society do translate into healthcare. It's such a big kind of profession and a big career I, I, you do get all sorts and I think there will be personally I do think there will be people who kind of do have this quite archaic old-fashioned perception that it's a it's a power thing and I think things are changing and it's obviously not true but yeah I think some people are just like glory hunters aren't they mm. my personal you look at the opinion. proportion of people that are coming in that are entitled and privileged anyway mm. just to get into medicine you have to have had a fair amount of privilege to even get the opportunity Mm. to get in in the first place and I think it's also quite important to acknowledge as well um because I feel like some people have this again this like not all doctors obviously but some well in all professions have like this kind of inflated sense of self and I think it's just really important to acknowledge that just because you're a doctor or whatever it doesn't automatically make you the the smartest person in the room because like no. have you experienced that as well where oh, some people just yeah yeah hell yeah all, yeah. all the time all the time um, but yeah but when I that, go in I I definitely put my yeah I, superhero I never, cape on and, and my pants over my trousers oh and walk in like the absolute hero do. that I am yeah, obviously and people start asking you how you are and <laughs> oh god you actually love it Nina don't you oh absolutely <laughs> but there was another thought-provoking treat as well and this was from um Dr Paul Jepson who I think is a GP and he asked doctors honestly would you recommend medicine as a career to your kids that made me think quite a lot, actually. Mm. 
not that I have kids. I've got like a dog. I've got a noodle. <laughs> Would and if you she wants to do medicine, do yeah, medicine. Man. If she, she can wants be to be one a of those doctor, therapy dogs. Yeah, she can like, do what she wants. Yeah. Oh no, I'd, I'd encourage her. If she wanted to go to university, I'd encourage her. But no, but like you've got two young lads. Have you? Yeah. What What's your kind of thoughts? I'm probably going to go against the grain here because most people on that thread, I mean, I haven't read all the responses, but a lot of people were saying no very, very clearly. Mm. Um, and for me, I, I, I 100% would. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really would. And I think, like, I think medicine is is great. Like, I really love the job. I genuinely really love what I do. It's just the absolutely shitty dysfunctional system that we're forced to work within so it's the Mm. system that's the issue not the job itself and I think going into medicine I was really naive about what it involved in terms of time commitments um bullying (laughs) harassment like Mm. I I hadn't that was something that was a complete eye-opener for me oh god Um, the whole training program but I have to say, I, I would definitely recommend it to, to to my kids if that's something that they they wanted yeah. to do. And I think um, again, I, I I appreciate I'm you know I, I can't comment completely because I don't have children and I'm not the child of medic parents. But I think sometimes, you know, medic parents, their children might have kind of a more accurate view of a career in medicine like you know mm-hmm. they see kind of the hours that are put in and they understand kind of all the commitments and the payments and the exams and things perhaps I'm not saying everyone but you know if like despite that and they still kind of saw what their parents did and wanted to do that then who are we to kind of stop kids exactly. from doing it isn't it no I mean um, my parents aren't aren't medics so it this is all very new for for me and for us as a family um when I did mm. medicine and suddenly started skipping all <laughs> lots of family functions because I couldn't make it oh gosh yeah, but um there was that one hard. thing this is probably oh this is going to seem like virtue signaling but it, it really really isn't but I remember it was after my I think like I can't remember at some point in in my GP career there was a point where I was thinking gosh like is this the right career for me? Is medicine the right thing for me? I was just working really long hours. I wasn't enjoying the job at all. And then I'd gone on holiday. So it's a really long-winded story. I'm getting somewhere. No, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm invested, man. It better be a good ending. To <laughs> it's this. really not. I'm just joking. Um, I was going on holiday, like from Heathrow Airport with my husband. I can't remember where we were going. And then I suddenly heard a Dr. Jar, Dr. Jar. And I turned around and it was this man who I had seen in my last week as a GP reg, like three years before. And I remembered because it had been a really difficult consultation. He'd come in with um, uh, chest pain, which he said was heartburn type pain. And he was coming in just for some Gaviscon and um, a, a PPI. And I remember when I'd taken his history... I thought, no, this is definitely unstable angina or definitely it's got mm. features of unstable angina and you need to go in. And I remember him being really quite cross with me about saying that. And in the end, we had a long discussion. In the end, he he agreed to go in. And I never really found out what the outcome was because, um, you know, I, I finished a week later. I went on mat leave and I moved, I moved to another part of the country. And he was at the same airport that oh, I was well, in three years later. And he remembered my name. Um, 
And he said, I've been waiting three years to tell you that you were oh. right and you saved my life. I went in for emergency heart surgery that day. And if you had given me those tablets, I asked for it. You know, I don't know if I would have made it. And oh. it's the first time I ever thought, oh, my gosh, like what we do does actually make a difference. Yeah, we're very privileged. Very, very privileged. How many people can say that? So uh, yeah, it's really unique in that respect, I think, isn't it? Sometimes I just have to, you just got to drown out the noise and just focus on those key, yeah, those moments are really really precious. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, But kind of, sorry to kind of bring it back down again after that really nice. I know, I um, I know what you're going to talk about. And I want to move on to you because we need your opinion on this. No, it's more kind of just along, along similar lines again of kind of recommending medicine or recommending surgery. Um, and Dr. Argavan Sals, so she's an American physician and surgeon, and she tweeted this week. So here are two things I know. One, we need more women in surgery. And two, I can't in good conscience recommend surgery to women as a career. I have a hard time resolving these two. I'm worried the systemic changes needed for number two to change will not happen quickly enough. And for those who are not familiar with Dr. Sals, so yeah, she's an American MD and PhD um, who who works as a physician and a surgeon and and she does a lot of writing and speaking work about women in surgery and, and feminism and doctor well-being. And I kind of came across her first of all when I when I quit my neurosurgery training. Um, and she's really inspirational inspirational actually and I would recommend uh, following her. But it's it's that's quite a poignant thing and quite like um I'm just following her as you said that because I've realised I don't follow her. So yeah, it's like she's made a really good point. Like yes, surgery needs more women, and there's been there's been research relatively recently, hasn't there, that kind of shows that patients who have female surgeons or patients who have female doctors actually like do better in hospitals. So again, it's like yes, we need more women, but at the same time, people within the system just you know hand on heart can't recommend it and if someone was to ask me I obviously I've got a very jaded and very kind of one-sided view of neurosurgery after everything that kind of happened but I could not like recommend it at all I couldn't and when and when I did finish and I'm very conscious of trying I, I always keep thinking, I always worry that I'm bringing the whole like neurosurgery thing up all the time. And I promise that it's more to me that, than that. But it's just such a, it's such a big thing and such an important thing, I think, that I've realised a lot of people can relate to. And when I did leave neurosurgery, I had, I was getting quite a lot of DMs and and still do now about people in, in surgery or, you know, females in surgery, essentially, who are struggling or can say like, I've had similar experiences and I, and I, I don't know what to do next. And I find it really hard to be impartial and and to kind of encourage people to stick with it because I didn't. And I had no intention, you know, after kind of, after those years, I had no intention of sticking with it. So yeah, it's a weird one. Can I ask, like, you don't have to answer this, but now you started GP training. What's the main difference you're finding with that compared to surgery? Like, is it the environment? Is it the, what was it about surgery that, you found or that was difficult or that made you it's, not rec- not want to recommend weird. it to I, other people I don't know if there's like one particular thing I can think of but obviously I'm very new to GP I'm like what a month in but to me kind of GP is the hardest thing I've ever done like compared to neurosurgery yeah I appreciate I did get to a point 
where maybe things started to feel a bit more comfortable. But I never had to think as varied and as wide as I do kind of now, even just as a GPST one, doing like my own clinics. So GP is certainly not easier. Um, but I think the environment just from the mm. off was just so, so much more supportive. So I, you know, I met my clinical supervisor really early. And again, I understand it's very different. I'm working in a small GP practice at the moment, but as well as being very kind of pastoral and, and kind of mentory, if that's a word, it was very informal at the same time. So going to work at the moment, you know, yes, I do get nervous about doing things because obviously I don't know what's going to turn up at the door. And I'm doing my own clinics and stuff and there's and there's that pressure and, and getting used to it and all sorts. But at the same time, it's like I know I'm going into a supportive environment, like my boss or my supervisor is going to be there. It's a team very much in GP, isn't it? And it can be mm-hmm. quite isolating sometimes just in your clinic room. But there's always someone around to ask a feel or there's someone to kind of contact. And yeah, it just the, the whole ethos of it is just very, very different. Like people seem to be just glad that you're there you don't feel like you're a burden or you don't feel like you're getting in the way and again this is probably more on me and I never felt like I fitted in in neurosurgery but I've not really felt that at all in GP it's just kind of like you're just welcomed and I know it's not the same everywhere but I think the general premise of the training is just so different and so much better. That kind of fits in quite nicely with a tweet by uh, Nick Schindler and he put, I'm so grateful for wonderful for wonderful colleagues. They make every day um, a fun and the bad day so much easier. If you're looking for a consultant job, don't just look for the job, look for the people. Yeah. Do you think that also applies to picking a specialty? Like how much does that, do the environment that you've seen as a trainee <laughs> dictate yeah. on what specialty you, you pick? I think it can, because I remember in medical school, like speaking to consultants and supervisors and stuff and, you know, always wondering, like, how did you end up in cardiology or how did you end up in rheumatology? And there was one there was one comment that always stuck with me. And it was from a consultant in in rheumatology. And she just said, like, oh, someone just took like an interest in me and really encouraged me. And she had no desire to do the kind of rheumatology Mm -hmm. at that time. But just kind of those people taking an interest and being quite encouraging. She was like, yeah, just kind of ended up doing that. And I think, you know, we can all have these thoughts about what certain specialties are like. And again, I didn't really go into neurosurgery. What, you know, I didn't know earlier on that I wanted to do it. But it was definitely kind of swayed by having very good registrars at the time who who were just very encouraging and were like, come to, you know, come to theatre, come and see this as, as when I was kind of an SHO and didn't really know what I wanted to do and that definitely kind of swayed me because I hadn't thought twice about it up until then Mm. I've heard a lot of that about anaesthetists like I've heard a lot of people Mm. who've gone had anaesthetics training in their f1 or f2 years and it just seems like they've just got it right down to a t yeah they do have it like yeah like they really know how to train well and I've had so many people that have picked anesthetics purely because their mentoring or you know or their mm. supervisors were just fantastic yeah and that's why they picked that as a career and I'm thinking back to like even like f1 f2 and doing rotations and I'm sure like a lot of us have had certain rotations which have just been horrendous and we've hated it and we're like yeah this is not for us or the job's been awful but it's 
it's still sometimes a ball ache to rotate on because you've made friends with your colleagues, haven't you? And even though the job might be awful, you're still kind of, you've got like a little team there and it's always the team that then makes it difficult to kind of yeah. rotate. So I think, yeah, it's... Uh, it makes a huge, a, a huge difference. It makes it makes a huge impact on your life, doesn't mm. it? If you're having to get up and move um, yeah. every few months for like a considerable part of your life and oh, at the gosh, time in your yeah, life when horrible. you normally have other commitments like a house or young children. Mm. And we're just talking about a tweet by um, Pat the Medic. And um, they put, uh, doubting my stamina for paediatric training and moving different trusts uh, slash hospitals every six months for eight years just doesn't seem doable to me. Um, please, some trainees, reassure me and say it's worth it. You really feel that, don't oh, you? It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, but Niall Durant, or Durant, sorry, uh, wrote a good response to that. And it was a bit of a thread. But he essentially wrote about how unhelpful it is when kind of seniors and consultants say to those kind of requests, you know, that the training, it's, you know, it's just about the job at the end or training is just the, the journey because it's it's a long time. Like, yeah, the minimum might be seven or eight years, but, you know, how many people take a more convoluted path and, you know, don't end up kind of finishing in that time? And he makes exactly. a good point. Seven to eight years, if you're full time, you exactly. don't take mat leave, sick leave, any years out. It, yeah. It, it's, Yeah. Yeah, and, and he, he kind of made a good point as well, kind of when by seniors saying that it's just training and it's just a journey, it kind of trivializes all those other life things that you kind of touched upon there that, that can happen. So like you say, having children and buying a house or becoming unwell yourself or caring for, you know, relatives and things. It just, yeah, it, trivialize, it trivializes that, I think. I mean, I've got to be honest. Um, it's one of one of the reasons that I picked general practice because mm. I had always planned on doing pediatrics I love pediatrics I think it's a fantastic specialty absolutely love it um but my husband was a hospital medic as well and going through his medical training and you know we had two young kids it mm. just we just couldn't make it work and that, that, that might be you know us I know there are lots of people who you know who have two hospital medics who make things work really really well with a young family but it was definitely something that we really struggled with. Yeah, um, it's individual, I, isn't it? Absolutely. And you you need that autonomy over your work hours. I, need, I needed it at that stage of my life yeah. when my kids were small. I, I didn't want to stick it out until they were older and then suddenly I could have, you know, have the autonomy at that mm, time. I needed that time. flexibility now. I needed to dictate when I wanted to work yeah. now. Um so, you know, I, I shouldn't, we shouldn't have to put off our major life events for the sake of our training. There, there should be mm. some degree of flexibility there. And kind of like, there's so much about kind of how CCTing is like the final goal, isn't it? Again, it's that journey or that training just to get your CCT and then you can become a consultant or whatever. And because we're all, as in, in general, kind of fixated on CCTing, it then makes it really difficult to kind of do anything else. So people make these huge decisions to like maybe delay having children or delay kind of things that they want in other parts of their life. And and Niall, again, to touch on his thread, made a really good point. But by having that fixation of needing to see CT, it makes people, 
it makes it a lot harder for people, sorry, to actually pull away from training if it's not right for them. And again, I don't mean to harp on about kind of my own experience, but it, six years I did in neurosurgery, which of course is not wasted, but you know, it was, it didn't take me six years to realize it wasn't for me, but it took me kind of a long time after realizing it wasn't for me to actually, you know, enact that. And, you know, I just think, oh my God, I could have been like a GPST two by now. <laughs> <laughs> could have been finished. I could have been on the golf course earning like 100k. I know. You could have joined me. I know. I know. You're on the golf bloody golf course, Nina. I know. Can you believe it? Always. Chest pants. Have my own golden club. That's why I can never get hold of you. Yeah. (laughs) Just necking whiskeys in the golf club, but it's nice. It's nice that you you can make time to record this podcast. I'm actually on the golf course right now. I can just see it from my (laughs) window. But there was a good there was a good tweet by Fatima actually that she kind of summed up the reality of being a junior doctor quite well, didn't she? Today the junior doctors signed the med students off in the middle of managing a literal flood on the ward. And I think that's the most NHS thing <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's just spot on, isn't it? Like no it's one can make that on. shit up. It's no. just yeah, it's just what happens. Um But yeah, talking about kind of more realities of the job, there was quite a lot of talk this week about kind of racism and sexism in the NHS, wasn't there? Um, And it's such a shame. It's not such a shame, but it's kind of, it surprises me like how these topics just keep coming up all the time. And it makes me feel like nothing's changing. It's heartbreaking. Constantly, constantly. The first one I wanted to mention though was something that Dr. B, so Dr. B is at E-I-S-S-E-M on Twitter. Um, And she shared something that I believe she said that she saw on Facebook and it was a screenshot of an email. Um, And she captioned that by saying, um, we love diversity, obviously sarcastically, but please act British. If you are not British, we can teach you how to be British. And it was an email that was aimed at international medical graduates or international doctors, essentially, which was a quote saying, generally in the UK, people aren't used to direct speech. Speaking in a very precise and direct way in your conversations in the UK can unfortunately come across as rude and judgmental. And this email actually went on to give kind of <laughs> what they think are more pleasant examples of, of phrases oh, for international patronizing doctors to use. AF. Wasn't it? It really is. Of course, it, yeah. Patronising and, and, yeah, essentially racist. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like, what's what's wrong? Like, you can be direct and polite. Like, you can still say please and thank you. So some but of the examples you... they gave were, like, instead of saying, send the referral letter, could you say, could you send me the referral letter? Or instead of saying, give me the notes. Can you pass me the notes, please? Do you know what? I think we should actually revert and actually say... Give me the notes. I'll get more stuff done quicker. Give me the Just notes. Give bitch. me the notes. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that polite Stat. enough for you? Yeah. You're not. It's not as if like, oh, you fucking fathead. Give me the notes. You stupid twat. Like, yeah. That's that. I can see there's a problem with that. I can see there's a problem with that. But like this, and I'm just like, what's wrong with kind of healthcare professionals I being know. direct? Like, surely that's what you want. Exactly. I'm. Isn't I'm the diversity first. Ex- accepting yeah, different cultures well, and how they communicate and how they? Oh, be. for goodness' sake! It's all talk, isn't it? But I'm. I'm the first person to admit that I'm. I'm full of 
bloody like fluffy platitudes I'm constantly apologizing and I'm like oh sorry to bother you would it be okay if so xxyz you know could you could you possibly do this for me please I'd be really grateful I'm so sorry to bother you and I but now I'm like have insight into that I'm like no like I do my own editing. Like I literally <laughs> hate myself for saying these things. It's just no like oh, I'm yeah, it's awful too much. at that. I'm awful. I'm always apologizing. Oh, excuse me, sorry to bother you. Last week I walked into a door and I apologized yeah, to the friggin' done. door. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is such a freak. But it's... I remember <laughs> go on. Go on, sorry, Nina, go on. No, no, you go on, go on. No, I was just saying, I remember posting an email, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was having issues with HR and I screenshotted, or screenshot as you like to say, screenshot my email that I, just to prove a point that I'd asked loads of questions and this HR person had just replied with like three words and people just ripped my email apart, which is not the point of the whole thing, but they were like, oh my God, why are you apologizing? Why can't you just be more direct with your questions? And I'm just like, yeah, you've got a point, but it's just essentially the exact opposite of this kind of email. Yeah, this is is a happy medium to be struck, I think, isn't it? There is. Um, There was another tweet we wanted to talk about as well, wasn't there? Oh gosh, yeah, this was heartbreaking. This was really heartbreaking. Um, This is by um, Isla. Um, Her Twitter handle is at a sisterly. And she put, a consultant lets us use their office overnight. Their office is next to the secretaries. I had a locum night shift recently. In the morning after tidying the room, I walked out to put a pizza box in the bin. On this walk, two secretaries who'd come in early confronted me. Apparently, they'd never seen me before. I had worked there for years and was scared. (laughs) I introduced myself and nothing more was said. Fast forward to a few weeks later, a colleague told me that they had complained about me to a consultant. They told the consultant they saw an Asian person in a burqa and was so scared anything could have happened. Oh my gosh. I mean, where do you go with that? Yeah, that's so blatantly racist. Where Without where, saying the word racist, isn't it? They saw an Asian person in a burqa and was so scared anything could have happened. What kind of... These people are are working within the NHS. Like, I know, I know we shouldn't be shocked, but my goodness. These are the people that say stuff like, oh, I'm not racist, but, But. or I can't be racist because I've got black friends, or I can't be racist because I've got Asian friends. Like, there's always like a caveat. But they have no insight into their own racism. They genuinely don't. Yeah. And she went on as well to say that the consultant at the time, who she said was ethnic, defended me and explained who I was and said she's very good, which again, shouldn't be needed, should it? But then she said another consultant decided to get involved and side with the secretaries. He has raised it to senior management, telling them I should not be allowed to use the office. Bear in mind, this office has been used by the regular staff for some time and no issue has been raised. They are all white. Surprise, surprise. I'm a, I'm especially offended by the lies. I know I'm da- I know I'm dangerous, but messy, a thief. Yeah, it's just oh, yeah. I I've, I feel like I'm rabbiting on because I'm just so annoyed yeah. that this poor girl Isla's had to bloody go through this. That's, imagine working with these people. I guess I we all do as well. That's the horrible thing. How do you feel like going home knowing your your colleagues oh have gosh. treated you that way or, or see you in that way? Mm. How yeah. heartbreaking must that be? So I, I would, oh. And I, I'm one, 
it made me think actually these kind of people these secretaries or whatever that kind of put this complaint in about her I I wondered whether they actually were very conscious of what they were doing and they had like a racist agenda in a way and they they say they understood the gravity of their actions or whether it was subconscious and I don't know what's worse the fact that you know, people are blatant about it, or whether that's just an inherent bias that they have, which is also probably well, think subconscious is worse because they're so yeah. racist. They've got absolutely yeah. no like where do you insight go from there, into yeah. Or how do you yeah. even start educating these? Well, it's not even up to us to educate them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not your job, is it? Um, but, but turning chief... this into oh, go on. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's just to say that the chief executive kind of tweeted publicly didn't she about mm-hmm. that um and she said i am the chief executive and i guess we won't name the hospital where this happened um and i've just read your comments read the use of a consultant room i'm assuming that you're at whatever hospital given your bio please contact me directly so i can support you and take necessary action thank you now i love this yeah the that fact that she response. put that out as a public statement mm. rather than a private dm yeah it's is so powerful because you empower the people who've been on the receiving end of racial harassment to speak Mm. up because you know you're going to get supported and you're making a stand against all this racist bullshit behavior Mm. so people will you know think twice before i don't before i hope so i hope it's i hope it i hope it is meant and i think we do become very cynical don't we but it it did feel like a positive response and i hope yeah, I hope kind of that gets gets dealt with because that's just obscene. Um, but that encapsulates but, everything that's good about Twitter for me. Yeah, yeah, there are outcome. some good aspects. Aren't there are there? some good aspects. Yeah, um, yeah, and and on, again on a similar vein, Greta McLachlan shared like a screenshot of um of a talk. I think it was like a surgical talk about some research. I think in women in surgery who wear hijabs. And again, it was just something that was infuriating and heartbreaking to read, wasn't it? Yeah, she wrote, 37% felt bullied for wearing a hijab in theatre. 37%. This is not acceptable. We need to make surgery a more accepting place and a safe place for all people. There was another statistic on her slide as well, I think, that obviously about about the wearing of a hijab, but I think it also mentioned that over 50% of people questioned in, in this research experience problems trying to wear a hijab in theatre, which is just so half the people. <laughs> and there was something about something about people or women wearing hijabs avoiding theatre because of this problem. And I just, I'm just like, tell me again how surgery is like, a career that's accessible to everyone. It's completely exactly. BS. Exactly. And and people are doing important work, aren't they, to try and improve on that, but there is such so a long slow. way to go. I know. Like yeah. it's 2022 and we're still having these same issues that like mm. from I I assume it was like 20 years ago. Oh God, and yeah. And yeah. I hope it changes in our lifetime, which is really sad to say that it's like they were even questioning that. Like it's not a given, isn't it? I think at least talking about these topics openly and sharing all these experiences on Twitter. Nothing is going to change unless we bring it out into the open and condemn it publicly. Absolutely. Going Um, from one backwards set of thinking to another set of backward thinking. Um, This tweet by Fee Lewis. 
and she put, um, it's International Women's Day 2022 and I'm in clinic. They put our names on the board. There's the consultant's name written Mr. Q and a space for the SPR's name below him and they've written Mr. Blank. Two thirds, two thirds of our (laughs) SPRs are women. It's 2022. (laughs) Friggin' hell. Male is not the default for a surgical SPR. I mean, the majority of your SPRs are women. Like, what Mm -hmm. needs to happen? And what needs to happen for a change to be made? Some people kind of go on, I guess, mainly men because they don't have this issue. Um, and they might, and it might seem to them like it's such, like small fry in the grand scheme of things. But like when this it's happens not. repeatedly, it's incredibly, incredibly tiring. And it's yeah, there's no need. And I think someone asked, "What? Who wrote it? Was it a man that wrote it on the board, or a woman that wrote it on the board?" It doesn't, it doesn't make matter. a difference. It doesn't make a difference. I I it's just when I as bad either um, way. When I started working in the neurosurgery tertiary centre, they had like these pre-printed referral forms. And I think it was literally like my first few weeks. And the pre-printed referral form to like another specialty said, dear doctor slash mister. And there was like no other like option. (laughs) And I remember kicking off and demanding them to like be all changed. And then people being like, oh, for fuck's sake, like who's this bint? Um, And I think that just probably said a lot about kind of my time in in neurosurgery (laughs) in general. But I think they did eventually change them. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of like, yeah, it's hard to keep quiet sometimes about these things. It isn't is. it? It's just infuriating. It really is. Um, and another good thread actually came from um, the K word and her handle is at Karen Isabel. And she wrote a really good thread looking at medicine or being a junior doctor as, as a whole, whilst also being um, a woman. And she just kind of commented on some of the issues that she had, had faced as a female junior doctor. And that was posted on the 7th of March at 1.53 p.m. And I'm just giving you the timestamp there because it is really a really kind of good thread, I think, in terms of other female doctors. To, I very much related to it. Um, and she just said, like, in, in the rare moment of sincerity ahead of International Women's Day, I just want to talk about some issues I've faced as a female junior doctor. These are mine and my friends' experiences, so I'd like to know if you've seen this too. And it got quite a lot of attention, so I think it's safe to say that a lot of Rightly us so. could, um, could really kind of, yeah, connect with that. And there was a few things that I picked out of there that kind of really struck me, and it's like one of those, like... It's when someone says something and you just connect with it so much and you're yeah. like, oh my God, yes. Really and resonated. you get excited because, thread. Yeah, yeah, it's so shit that it's happening, but it's like, it's validating, isn't it? And it was something for me, I think it was more about where she said, I have lost count of the number of times I am approached out of nowhere to call families or have difficult conversations for patients that I'm not looking after when the doctor looking after them is a man who is there and who can also operate a telephone. When I've challenged this or raised it, people sometimes say it's a compliment. They probably think you're a strong communicator, which I am, but it's also expected that I will take on these extra jobs for patients I don't necessarily know that well. I just felt that with my bones. Yeah, yeah. Everything she said on there, I'd like to read out the whole thread. You know? Yeah, yeah, we should do, a, <laughs> we should do an episode a... spin-off, just like yeah, yeah focusing just on thread. this. <laughs> we could just pick this apart and just yeah, yeah so validating. 
But the no, stuff about kind of the procedures people. as well, wasn't it? That kind of people approach her male colleagues in emergencies. Yeah, or situations. Men are more likely to be asked yeah. to get involved with the resuscitation than the women. Often I'm asked to fetch things or phone families. I mean, it's 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 just true. It's true. It's, yeah. it's this subtle sexism. Um, yeah, it makes our jobs ten times harder, doesn't it's it? It's so ingrained. It's mm. so ingrained that it's almost become the norm. It is yeah. the norm, yeah, and that's yeah. that's Sadly what's difficult so. to yeah. to um, to address because if you've got a specific racist comment or a sexist comment, you can action that. But it's these softer undertones, like the micro that, the mic- types, yeah, but that have huge impacts when they happen repeatedly over and over again throughout your training. They're the things I think are much harder to tackle. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And it's it's really quite like courageous, I think, to to share this these vulnerabilities on kind of social media. It's it's it is a vulnerability, and I think that it's easy for us to say, you know, from an as an outsider kind of looking in, that there's real strength in that. It it is, but it is difficult to do when you share it yourself, isn't it? And yeah, that kind of brings us on to kind of again um, another mention for Nick Schindler here, who had kind of a thought about what he shares on social media. And he was saying that he finds it harder to share work experiences on Twitter since becoming a consultant. He felt far safer and less judged on social media as a trainee than he does as a consultant. No idea why. Perhaps because families have his name on their letters and can look him up. So you've got you've got quite a lot of experience recently about sharing on social media. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up again. It just amuses me. No end no end oh my god oh let's skate past that whole little (laughs) but it it goes back to that kind of plain tweet doesn't it like obviously sharing identifiable information is a big no-no big no-no but people seem to get their knickers in a twist with other things that are clearly not identifiable but i swear some people twist things on purpose like sometimes the intention of the tweet is so clear and some people are determined to turn it into something that it isn't. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, I've got no idea why. But I did find it interesting about actually how he found it more difficult sharing as a consultant than a trainee. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I mean, I only joined Twitter a couple of years ago, so I, I haven't got an experience of um, being on it during training. But yeah, this you... is a this is a sore subject for me because. Forgive me again if I've mentioned this before, but I, I got suspended once for sharing something on Twitter and I essentially got suspended whilst it was being investigated and it was not identifiable and obviously the investigation got thrown out. There was nothing that had been kind of done wrong per se, um, but it's just made me very, very cautious in terms of sharing anything and I find myself thinking now like everything... It's hard because I think like Twitter is there or social media is there. Sometimes people want to celebrate their first or kind of little wins or whatever. But it's it can sometimes be a fine line, can't yeah. it? As to kind of being encouraging and, and celebrating something fine line with kind of could that person identify themselves if it's about a patient. And I think if I ever find myself kind of, if I ever think, oh, someone could reply to this and say, oh, X, Y, Z, you should remove this because you mentioned that it was in the last month or whatever. 
if I anticipate any reply like that, I'm like, no, I can't post it because I just can't. Yeah. I'm not yeah. risking that again. I'm not risking it again. And it's a shame sometimes, isn't it? Because I think sometimes it can be like a really good learning opportunity. Yeah, it and again, really like can. That, that I've learned stuff, so yeah. much from Twitter, actually, oh, just gosh, from people. <laughs> Surprisingly a lot. Surprisingly Especially a lot. About, yeah, I like gastrocolic reflux. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring sorry. that up. Who knew? But yeah, no more attention to that. But I think it's harder if you know you've got people from work who are following you. Do you yeah, have anybody yeah. who you work with? That, if, that, okay, oh oh, should I not? I shouldn't have asked no, you that. No, I know can. the answer. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they listen to this. I'm not going to say, but yeah. So essentially, I um, I realised very recently that my that my ES, so my educational supervisor for kind of my entire GP training, followed me on twitter and it was i think i googled them because i just wanted to know like who they were she's working really hard she's (laughs) (laughs) can you put your books away bethan just put your books away for a moment i know sorry i should be paying more attention to the podcast (laughs) just trying learning all my nice guidelines (laughs) um but yeah no and i I just googled this guy or girl so that's made obvious Um, (laughs) i googled them and they and their twitter profile came up and i clicked on it and it said that they were following me and I was just like, shit. Oh, I'd freak out. Yeah. So I did the little soft block thing where you kind of block them and then unblock them and they have to stop following you. But for me, like, I worry. Well, I don't worry. I know that I come across slightly mad and unhinged on Twitter. Do you know what? You really but, don't. No, but, you don't. But I want him to find, I want them to find that <laughs> out for themselves, not automatically know it from Twitter. I at least want a grace period where they think I'm relatively normal, at least a few months before they realise oh. how unhinged I actually am. But yeah, I did a little soft block there. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. No, I don't have any work people that follow me. I, I don't think, No. No one from work follows me. I have I have work people on Facebook. I hardly use Facebook now. But Facebook, I find, is I don't really talk about anything worky or whatever. It's more just to kind of photos and stalk people. Whereas Twitter, I use for very different reasons. <laughs> so it kind of mortifies me if people I know or I can't have family members like following me on Twitter. That's just a no-no for me. They oh, don't need to no, know. I have no family or friends that follow on. me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. no, I do. I have a couple of cousins. Oh, yeah, you have <laughs> Who follow me on Twitter? Yeah. And my cousin, Sanjay, who I'm really peed off with because basically a few weeks ago, right? It's no, a few months ago... I'd written a happy Diwali message to my like elderly aunt who lives in Kenya. And then my phone also corrected today to Tossa. So I wrote, happy Diwali, thinking of you, Tossa. And I sent it. <laughs> but then my cousin, Sanjay, he put it on the family WhatsApp group. Go, look what Nina did. My Trust m- no one. I know. My mum wasn't impressed. And my dad was oh like, Brita, what's, oh, what's Dosser? What's Dosser? I'm like, oh my God, dad, please. And you posted like, it on Twitter and then your cousin had got it from Twitter yes, and shared yes, it. Yes, oh, and he shared sneaky. it. He put it everywhere on all our little family WhatsApp groups. I was like, sneaky. yeah. Have to yeah, trust trust no him. one. Family are the waste sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Shivani's tweet made, made me laugh. Um, and she said, it's come to my attention that too many work colleagues now follow me on here, which means I can't tweet free of inhibition anymore. <laughs> Time for an alt account, right? <laughs> so I don't know about you, Nina, but I sometimes use our Two Medics Agony Ant as an alt account. <laughs> Same. 
if I think something's going to get me in trouble, I'm like, well, I'll just put it on here because then they'll probably think it's Bethan. Oh, thanks. It's, but it made me laugh. I'm like, yeah, I use this as like an alt account in a weird, lame way, but also it's like a 50-50 chance of them identifying who it is. But do you think people it's can tell out. who's tweeting from it? depending oh, on the 100%. language. But then sometimes 100%. I try and change, if I'm doing it from that account, yeah. I'll try and change what I say to make it sound like you. You cannot emulate this and should you not <laughs> want to either, but you cannot for your own good emulate this. And I say that because I can't. I would not you. even try. I no, would not I even, try. even try. Oh, do you know what? Um, I'm just going to put a little sheep emoji after everything that I type from, so they'll oh, know yeah. it's from you because you're from oh, Wales. Of course, that's how I sign every <laughs> message with a sheep or a leak. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but kind of, yeah, carrying on with more light-hearted stuff. What do you think about kind of an NHS emotional purge, Nina? Do you know what this was? This is my favourite tweet of the week by far. This is by Mel again. Gosh, um, and he said, "One day a year, we should be able to email anyone in the hospital we want and tell them exactly what we think of them with no consequences." Yes. And call it the NHS emotional purge. Hashtag wellness. Hashtag wellness. Um, it's probably one of the most, I think, the best kind of recommendations that we've ever had for hashtag wellness. Right, Someone tell me, then, who would you email? Tell me right now. Don't even think oh about it. God. Off the as cuff, if, tell me. No, if on. I tell you, Just no, because what if they listen? Never, no, we'll ask him and Trisha to, to edit this no, out. It's, Go it, on, it's tell not, me. It, it's not the allocated NHS purge day today, so I could not possibly. It is. Tell it's you. Wednesday. And Thursday. What, oh God, I don't know what day. What the week I it would is. like. What I would like to say is probably not safe for. Oh, go on. Public. Con- oh, no, I'll give no you. Way. I'll give you five pounds if you tell me right now. Oh my God, no. Six pounds am I? <laughs> no, there's no. There is no. Uh, yeah, there's no way. I think what someone made me laugh. So I think it was Alan Roddy replied. I just said I call this Friday, and I was like, I, I want to work with you. Imagine every Friday just telling everyone what you thought to them. I, I do that to my sisters. Like if I'm feeling really like pent up, I'm just like you message them. Yeah, your face. <laughs> like just something really, Sound, yeah, really so mature thing and, to do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, imagine dear. all those day taxes, day taxes, day taxes, day taxes, day taxes. I, I actually thought it was day tax. Thing yeah. is, I when I did training, there wasn't ever, there weren't these day tax thingies. Yeah, old, I, I, think, I think they mentioned on the last episode, I yeah. remember them being like in a copy book and yeah, whatever. But yeah, people love a day tax. But um, yeah, I saw someone reply again to that purge tweet saying that they had actually drafted some emails of that sort and I just thought how dangerous is that oh. like they I think they said they kept them in a separate folder and no. I just thought shit no. that gave me palpitations just thinking of accidentally sending like accidentally. that to someone you well, know like sometimes like when... when you're texting about someone isn't it and you yeah. text that person by mistake yeah oh no, no but my kid that. you know my kid did it once from my phone <laughs> So it was, it was one Nanny's of the, got a poopy head. it was one of their A&E um, consultants, I think. And he was asking about locums. He goes, oh, can you do a locum this day? And I was about, to, I'd put, oh dear, doctor, whatever. Um, <laughs> thank you oh, for the I email. This, I and think. I put, I am afraid. And then I was about to, I, I was going <laughs> to I'm afraid I can't, like, I hadn't finished it, but then the belt, the doorbell was, I went to answer the door and the little shit had pressed send and he'd sent because he wanted to play a game on my phone. So when I'd gone to answer the door, the little shit had pressed send and he'd sent it. So I've just got this email saying, 
I am afraid. And I was like, oh no, like now do I have to take up the locum to show that I'm not afraid? Like, oh God, no, just ask, ask to be taken off the locum list. No, she's too scared, guys. She's afraid. Take her off. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Oh, I love kids, my kids. Sorry, before I get a. He's not a little shit. Another um, another another one that made us laugh was the the examples of doctors' names matching their specialty as well. That was oh, a good I one. love that one. Did Which you have one any favourites? Yes, and they all involve boobies, willies, or bums. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that's got like a titty or a willy in it. Like, yes, they're exactly the ones so I picked out. Childish. Oh my god! But I did actually. Um, work somewhere where there was a um, a breast consultant called Mr. Maboob. <laughs> Mr. Maboob. Mr. Mr. Titko. Oh, yeah. I liked my Mr. Willie Tingle. That was, I've got, I've just got that written down. <laughs> have you? I knew you'd have that one written down. Oh, I knew my, it. We are so I knew it. predictable. And I think there was... Um, Dr. Butt, the gastroenterologist. Yeah. Do- Dolly shared a screenshot of a, a urology article and um, the surname was Weedon, which I thought was Oh, I didn't. Oh, I missed that one. That was a good one. And then sticking to the subject of names, there was another tweet yes. by Kylie Kay saying, what medical word would be a cute baby name if it didn't mean what it does? And her example was Vicryl, which I actually think, I no, I hate the word. It's, it's a suture and I just think... Yeah, that's that. It doesn't have naming potential at all. No, the, for me. my two favourites were little baby mammogram. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, did little, not see that one. Oh, little baby, baby speculum. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a theme there. They could be sisters, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, mammogram. Oh god, that's hilarious. They were my favourite. I heard this and I'm sure like every junior doctor has heard this and I don't, it's probably one of those urban myths or whatever, but I heard a story of someone on placement in like a labour ward where they had to tell the mum that she couldn't call her baby chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) But I I swear there are people called chlamydia, Melina, Meconium. There's people called Melina, yeah, there's, there's a, I think there's a lady, um, CSI Miami, one of the actresses there called Melina, I don't know how, yeah, niche knowledge. See, this is the shit I know and not actually, like, any useful stuff. No, you're a GP now. You can put it all in your... Um, I'll just Google it all CPD. anyway. Yeah, Google it. So before we finish, I think we also need to mention how it was kind of the UK equivalent of match day today. And that's where kind of all the final year medical students got their deanery allocations for foundation training. What struck me was that apparently there are... I think 791 final year medics on the reserve list this year. It's crazy. So the reserve list is essentially doctors who haven't got, they didn't score high enough initially to get an allocation to a deanery. So technically like there's nearly 800 people that haven't got a job yet. And someone, well, many people have been commenting and saying, you know, obviously they're all doctors and it's easy for us to say and you know we don't want this to sound condescending or trivial at all and people are saying oh you know it'll work out in the end because all those on the reserve list will get a job eventually before they start but does that mean it's going to be like a week or two before they start f1 that's when they find out where they're going to go like exactly and where are they going to get sent to where are they going to get get sent everywhere anywhere that there's a space people have 
life. It's nerve-wracking time it's anyway. A- and I I remember that, oh God, my stomach being in knots at the thought of kind of starting F1. So to not know where in the UK you're even going to end up living, I just think, man, it's too much. It's but awful. Massive congratulations to those who obviously got the deaneries they wanted. And obviously we're, we're sorry to anyone who's upset and, and there are quite a lot of people who didn't get the deaneries that they wanted and... And they're on the kind of the reserve list and there's a lot of uncertainty and things. And yeah, that's just incredibly difficult. And we're very, very sorry that you're kind of having to experience that right now. Um, And there is lots of kind of good advice flying around there at the moment about how to rank jobs and stuff. But I guess it's, and I guess it's, I know it's easy for us to say, again, I've said that, but I guess just take some time to just digest what's happening, isn't it? It's a it's... shock, isn't it? It's a real shock to the system because yeah, that's your life where you're going to have to move and live. And yeah, it's the absolutely. uncertainty of not knowing when you're going to get your job, where you're going to get it. It's mm. it's really hard. So um, whatever support again, you can get yeah. out there, just take it. Take it. It's easy for us to say that it will be okay. And I think I can confidently hand on heart say that it will be okay there's so many of us, of us, myself included, that have ended up in places where we didn't think we'd kind of end oh, up. same, same. Didn't get the jobs that we wanted. And you you, you do find your people, like, like wherever you go, you're all going through an incredibly kind of nerve-wracking time starting F1 together. You do find people that you can kind of form friendships with and stuff and, and it will be okay. And I think when we both kind of started F1, we didn't have any of this situational judgment test, did we, that um, kind of went towards so. your score and stuff. Remember. I don't recall kind of taking anything like that. No, the process seems kind so of, much more difficult yeah. now than when we did it. But yeah, I, I, just, I was just thinking back of kind of my own experiences. So like I studied in Cardiff um, and wanted like an academic foundation job in neuro and didn't didn't get it, but regardless kind of still went to... Liverpool and took a different job that I didn't want and I'd never been to Liverpool before like I moved up here it's five hours away from where I'm from and where my family live I didn't know anyone up here um but I moved up here and nine years later I'm I'm still here you just you would I just feel like wherever you go you find you you make little roots you find people to connect with and and it's not forever um but it's but the whole process can be difficult I remember for a couple of years I was in Essex and my husband was in Manchester and you know it's Mm. not that was hard, you know, it's no oh, denying imagine, it was yeah. it was really hard. But um mm. what can you do? Eva Abbey asked a good question and she said, looking back, how important a role did the school and rotation you were allocated play in your career over overall? Was it pivotal, inconsequential, or too hard to say? Um and again, I think like I think about the two specialties that I have ended up in, like neurosurgery and general practice, I didn't have any experience of those in my in my foundation program so I think it would be hard for me to say that my foundation program shaped where I am now everything that I did for my foundation program I quickly knew that I didn't want to do those specialties which I guess is helpful as well Mm. but what my training did give me was that it was in Liverpool and it and it created like a new home for me and like say I've made this city my home and stuff now so I guess it was pivotal in that way and you know that it allowed me to kind of lay down roots and stuff but my jobs net didn't kind of determine what what I ended up doing 
do you have any kind of comments about no, that? No, I mean, my, my main thing was location because I wanted to be for one of the years close to my parents so I could mm. live at home and save money for the wedding mm. <laughs> and for a deposit on a house. So for me, it was mainly um, mainly money issues that dictated <laughs> where I went. Yeah, no, and that's fair enough. Yeah. Isn't there? There's so many factors in play kind of with these things. But regardless, it's an incredibly un- anxious time and... We're sending kind of lots of hugs and cutches to everyone who's kind of having to go through that process at the moment. And I think we're probably coming to the end now, aren't we? Yeah, Yeah, we thought that because it is International Women's Day this week, we Mm. thought it'd be nice to just give a shout out to some of the women on Med Twitter who have really been inspirational to us, um, or just all around kick-ass and awesome. Um, So we thought we'd give them a little... Little shout yeah, out like to show our appreciation. Med Twitter female, yeah. Med Twitter women roll call, I think. Yeah. yeah. How do you um, want to do it? Should we like sing it out? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I know you wanted to beatbox, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to beatbox, no. and then you can like, you can wrap it out. Because <laughs> oh you remember in the gosh. last episode when Imran said, because you're a GP now, Missy, we've got like 10 minutes to All consult, and didn't he say? If you had like background music to our consultations, we're pretty much rapping. So here we go. Here we go. Oh, you're so talented. Hang on. I, I haven't, so I haven't kicked it in yet. Hold on. This is me. <laughs> Nina, your voice has gone so deep. I love it. I've got a great range. And I can talk a beat more than the same time. <laughs> Did you know there were so many talents to this? Girl? Limitless. Limitless, I tell you. But right, go anyhow, yes. Yeah, so oh, I can't turn it off now. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, we are we are doing this. We are doing this. No. We had a bit of um yeah, we had a bit of a list that we kind of obviously it doesn't include everyone. There are so many inspirational uh, women out there that you should all kind of follow and and learn from but they were some that <laughs> and our list really... keeps growing and growing really, yeah and growing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, and we're gonna we're gonna when this comes out on monday we're gonna kind of we'll make a little kind of thread of all the names and stuff as well so they'll be easy to, to, to huge uh, to apologies find. to anyone that we've missed out it was not intentional oh, gosh, we yeah, just not did this off the cuff yeah, no absolutely um, but yeah, we kind of got so much love and respect for uh, Dr. Rosie Barua, uh, Lynn Miller. Lynn Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shivani Misra, Lucy Henshaw, Dr. Majay, Law, Abby Carey, Suhana, Sadie Kitson, Pathos, but Natalie, Sophie Farouk. You said you were going to wrap this. I'm actually really disappointed. You, you said Let, you no, were going to wrap it. You said you were going to wrap it. Real, this is a really poignant moment oh, and sorry. I didn't want to take away by wrapping really badly. <laughs> Um, but I shall continue. I'm just giving you a little beat. Roshana Medjian Staffel did amazing work for women in surgery. Natalie Sylvie, Becky Fisher, Dr. Melissa Hubbard, Pooja Neely, Trish Greenhall, Emma Coombe, Nigat Arif, Chloe Beale, Ria Lang, Marina Politis, we've got Dolly Sood, Nizreen Alwan, Rachel Clark, Yumika Kadota, and Sonali Kinra, that's just a start, a isn't it? A start. Of, no, of I actually want to say a massive thank you ladies. to you guys because you guys have taught us so much. 
oh, have our backs. Yeah. Massive yeah. support system. Yeah. Just all around awesome women. Yeah, so. I feel like I'm forever learning from from 100%. these ladies as well. They are oh my amazing. god, and you. We haven't got your name oh, on there. Oh, and and obviously Dr. Nina Jones. Oh, hello. <laughs> but you cannot ask how she is. Don't ask me how I am. Otherwise, I'm going to get people confess. after me. <laughs> yeah. And then randomly as well, I wonder if we should be adding Kay Burley to this list, you know, of like Sky <laughs> News <fame. laughs> I See, I'm, never, I'm, I'm blocked never from all I'd of this, so you need to, no. if you want to mention it, you got to say it. I am I'm I'm not particularly a Kate <laughs> Burley fan, and I didn't think I'd be adding her to this list. But yeah, there was, there's this weird Kay Burley, Vane Doc crossover today. It's really she, weird. Not today, sorry, this week, where she absolutely kind of, yeah, pegged him down kind of thing. And that was not the collaboration that I ever thought <laughs> no. we'd see, but there you go. Are we really ending this with Vane Doc? We're ending our I podcast. I don't know. Think of more inspirational ladies. Quick, so just go to the list lady. again. <laughs> Rosie Barua, Linda. Hold on, let me start, let me start the beatbox. <laughs> Do you think we should kind of save everyone and leave it at that now? Yes, I think so. I think Is so. Is there any, any other matters to discuss, Nina Jar? No. I don't think I... I, think, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. We've covered yeah, a lot. I feel like we were quite serious this week, which doesn't we really were. fit with who we are. Why don't we get offline and then um, get offline and get our drinks out and get have a proper chat? Get the party started. Yeah. Start rapping. No, yeah. <laughs> I am going to start rapping. Tease on, you tease can... on us. <laughs> tease on us. Um, oh, but as per usual, it's been an absolute pleasure, hasn't it? To yeah, thank you for letting podcast. us host again. That's yes, an honour. So thanks very much. Not sure us. they'll be inviting us back. Probably not. <laughs> to know we're on a good run. We've done like three now. I think. That's, yeah. That's that's okay. People are sick of us now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sick of us to be honest. I'm sick of you, man. Yeah, well, most people are, but that's fine. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, take care, everyone. Have Behave. a good week. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. <laughs>